Grace, peace, and blessings, beloved, in the name of our risen, redeeming, and returning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. I greet you this Tuesday with Jesus' joy. What a joy, what a blessing, what a privilege that we have that God has given us to come together to share in our walk through the Word of God as we continue our study of the book of Leviticus. Uh, We're continuing in our study of the standard of practical holiness. It's my desire today, and I believe we're going to be able to do it today to wrap up our study of the standard of practical holiness that is based upon chapters 17 through 22. Uh, This passage of scripture has truly been an eye-opening one um, from a teaching aspect. It has truly been an eye-opener. It has been one that has been sort of hard to teach because there were some hard lessons, some hard principles that we saw uh, in that passage of scripture. So today we're going to wrap up taking a look at the final five principles, the final five practices of holiness. And then I've got a few things I just want to share with us that I believe we can apply uh, to our lives as believers. But as always, beloved, before we get started with our word walk, let's take a moment, let's pray together, and let's seek God's guidance and God's direction as we walk through his word. Pray with me now, if you will. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you now telling you thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for our life, our health, our strength. Thank you that we are closed in our right minds and still able to move from one place to another. God, I tell you thank you because you have been so good to us. You continue to be good to us. You continue to look beyond our faults and supply every one of our needs. Now, God, as I stand before your people to teach your word, I realize, God, that I have studied, but only you know what your people need to hear. So I'm asking you right now to stand up in us, God. Speak to us, speak through us, order our steps according to your word, that everything we do and say will be found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. I thank you for this chance and I thank you for every chance. This is our prayer, we offer it now. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we praise. Amen, amen, and amen. To God be all of the glory, to God be all of the honor. Certainly grateful to have this opportunity. Listen, when we were last together last week, we were looking at the practices of holiness. In this particular passage of scripture, if you remember, we started all the way back in chapter 17. We talked about the fact that holiness had to deal with a matter of principle, knowing what to do and practice knowing how it had to be done. You'll remember that I shared with us that there were four principles of holiness. The four principles of holiness, quick review, was said that holiness involves me giving up my way for his way. I've gotta be willing to submit. I've gotta be willing to surrender. I've gotta be willing to give up my will as Jesus prayed. Not my will, but thy will be done. Second thing we said was holiness involves doing things with the right spirit. You got to have the right attitude. You got to be able to, going back to those three words, the right actions, the right atmosphere, the right attitude that would be conducive for the power and the presence of God to make his appearance. And throughout our teaching series, throughout the book of Leviticus, Exodus as well, we have shared that if any one of those is not right in God's sight, it will cause or it will affect the power and the presence of God. That not only applies to them then, but it also applies to us now. That with the right action, the right attitude, the right atmosphere, we can anticipate a worship experience. Third thing we said, the third principle that we said was holiness involves living in purity, which sort of helps us pick up where we left off last week. Uh, When we were talking about purity, living in purity as one of the practices of holiness, to always be mindful of not only who we are, but also whose we are, that everything we do is a representation of who God is in us. Can I say that again? Everything we do is a representation of who God is in us. 
And then the fourth principle, always hold on to this, that there are consequences just as much as there are blessings in obeying God. There are consequences involved when we disobey God. Holiness involves understanding the consequences of disobeying God's instructions. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with the practices of holiness. And I just want to run through them real quick, those seven that we've already covered. We talked about being separated. We are called to be different. We are called to stand out. God gave instructions to Moses to tell the people to not be like the folks in Egypt nor in Canaan. Don't be like the folks where you came from and certainly don't be like the folks where you're going. Be who I called you to be. And how are you able to do that? He said that the second practice involves walking or living in obedience. We've got to obey what God says. We got to do it like God said, do it. We can't add anything to it, can't take anything from it. We must walk in obedience. Third thing we said was there must be some purity. We looked at that in chapter 18, where God gave the instruction to Moses to tell the people that they had to be mindful of their sexual activity. Not so much for the purpose of sexual activity, but to be reminded as Paul reminded us in 1 Corinthians, that our bodies are the temples. They are the dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. And for that cause, we must honor God with our bodies and with our spirits, which both belong to him. Then we talked about uh, number four, the spiritual focus. Spiritual focus. In other words, as we looked at the final verses of chapter 18, we looked at the fact that we must remember the keeping the statutes, keeping the rules. I'm there at verse 26. And always remember that what we do can either help or harm a situation. We are either beneficial or we are toxic. And he said that if we are toxic, the earth will vomit you up. What that spiritual focus says to us is, is that we must always be mindful of not only who we are and whose we are, but let's pay attention to who we represent. In everything I do, everything I say, everything I think, my actions, my reactions, God, I want to make sure that I represent the kingdom. That was the whole point of chapter 18, even though he talked about sex or the sexual activity. The whole point that God gave to Moses to give to the people was to remember, even down in your living, make sure you represent me. What a message for us today, beloveds, that even in our living, even in our living, we must represent the kingdom. Then we looked at the, the last week, we looked at the next three. We looked at benevolence. Benevolence. How do we treat the stranger? Amen. How do we treat those that, that come in contact with us? How do we treat the people that are sick or in trouble or, or thirsty? I'm going back to, I'm thinking about the words of Jesus there. Where Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was in prison. You came to visit me. And the disciples said, when did we see you like this? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers, when you did it to the least of those, my sisters, you did it also unto me. We must always remember that a true sign of holiness is not only how we represent ourselves in the church, but how do we represent ourselves in the street? Are we representing the kingdom when we go to the street? Are we representing the kingdom when we interact with people? You know, how, how, do, we, how do we represent the kingdom? We should represent the kingdom in such a way. Matthew chapter five said that we ought let our lights so shine before men that men will see our good works and give glory to the father who is in heaven. We talked about honesty. We got into chapter 19 
And in chapter 19, we began to talk about where God speaks to Moses revisiting the Ten Commandments. In chapter 19 is where it begins, where he begins by revisiting the Ten Commandments and talks about there in in verses 1 uh, through 4, to remember to honor God, to keep the Sabbath. Don't turn to idols. When you sacrifice an offering to the Lord, make sure that it is to the Lord and that it is eaten on the same day. Verse 9 is that, that series of benevolence to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, that we shouldn't do them injustice. We should not hate our brother. We should always be willing to look out for one another. You know, we shall not steal. We shall not deal falsely. We shall not lie to one another. If you would look at uh, the lesson between chapter 19 and 20, which is really going to bring us into today's session, if you remember there, that there were some 15 offenses. I think I shared this with you last week. If it wasn't you, it was the in-person class I shared this with. There were 15 offenses in Israel that were considered capital crimes. Considered capital crimes. Um, let me share them with you very quickly. All right. According to Exodus chapter 21, verse 15 through 17, striking or cursing a parent. According to chapter 31, verse 14, the breaking of the Sabbath. In Leviticus chapter 24, which will be there in a couple of weeks, blaspheming God. Exodus chapter 22, engaging in occult practices. Deuteronomy chapter 13, prophesying falsely. Leviticus chapter 20, adultery. Deuteronomy chapter 22, rape. And then in that same chapter, verse number 13, unchastity before marriage, to actually have sex outside of the marriage. Incest, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 11 and 12. Homosexuality is found in verse 13. Bestiality is found in verses 15 and 16. And then in Exodus chapter 21, we deal with kidnapping. Leviticus 20 verses 1 through 5 deals with idolatry. Deuteronomy chapter 19, a false witness in a case involving, involving a capital crime. And then Exodus chapter 21, intentional killing or murder of a human. Those were 15 offenses in Israel that were considered capital crimes that according to chapter 20 resulted in death. Amen. Which sort of leads us exactly to where uh, we want to begin today as we continue in our study of the practices of holiness. We're going to begin at the latter portion of chapter 20 and travel uh, through the end of our study of uh, Leviticus chapters 17 through 22. So let's pick up, let's pick up, let's pick up. The very first one we want to pick up with is letter I, stewardship, stewardship. It's in chapter 20, um, verses 22 through 27. Now, let me sort of set the stage by dealing with those first 20-some verses of chapter 20 so that you'll see exactly what we're dealing with, all right? Because here we're seeing the people of Israel were covenant people with God. They had come into covenant with God, going back to Exodus chapter 24. Therefore, the law of God was the law of the land. Whatever God said, that's what they had to do, all right? The law was there to restrain sin. That's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. John 1 tells us that the law, John 1, 17, I believe it is, uh, uh, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It sort of ties in a couple of weeks ago, we preached this on a Sunday where Jesus said that he did not come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to pick up where the law left off. The law was basically there to restrain sin but the law could not reform the sinner. I want to say that again. The law can restrain sin, 
but the law cannot reform the sinner. Therefore, beloveds, Christ had to come on the scene so that we could have a right relationship with God. All right. In the first five verses of chapter 20, we dealt with this last week just a little bit where we dealt with Molech being one of the gods of the Ammonites, who basically um, was a god that the people would offer their children to him as a form of idolatry. All right. Basically, God said that by doing that, verses one through five, you are causing something that profanes my name. And God said, tell them, Moses, that if they give in to that, I will cut them off. All right. Now, one of the things that I want to make sure that we understand as we get ready to move forward with the lesson is understanding that these offenses, particularly those with sexual sin, are a reminder, another reminder to the people of the sins that can defile the land. So it takes us to verse 22 of chapter 20, as here God provides a warning mm -hmm, to Israel for doing anything that would defile or make the land unclean. Let's look at it. Uh, Leviticus chapter number 20, verses 22 through 27, uh, gives us letter number I. Letter number I of our handout, the stewardship as a practice of holiness. Look at what he says. He says in Leviticus chapter 20, verses 22 through 27, you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them that the land where I'm bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nation that I'm driving out before you. For they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit the land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean, and the unclean bird, the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird or by anything with which the ground crawls, which I have set apart for you to hold unclean. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Verse 27, a man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall be surely put to death. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. God basically issues a warning. He basically issues a warning that you must always be found being a good manager of everything that I have placed before you. Stewardship, beloveds, as a practice of holiness simply means that and simply says that I honor God in every area of my life. I honor him and I trust him with every area of my life. I trust him physically. I trust him spiritually. I trust him emotionally. I trust him mentally. I trust him financially. Every area of my life God, I want to be found trusting you. I want to be found honoring you. I want to be found living for you. In other words, as Bishop T.D. Jake says, if you really want to see what matters most or what a person values the most, check two things. He said to check their date book and their checkbook. He said because the place where they spend most of their time and most of their money will determine what they are most loyal to. People of God, if we were to check our date books and our checkbooks, what would it say about us in reference to our time and our treasure and our talent in the kingdom? That's what we're talking about here. That's what God is saying to Moses to tell the people. You know, he warns them, you know, don't even be like the the people where you're going. He said, I've already driven them out. Now, again, we heard this in chapter 18. 
He told them, don't be like the folks in Egypt where I just delivered you from. And don't be like the folks in Canaan where I'm about to take you to. Watch this, y'all, because the more I looked at that and the more I studied that, the more this thought dropped in my mind. Watch this, y'all. This is the thing that got me. Did you all not notice that God is basically saying, don't be like the ones where you came from? After all, if you're going to be like where you came from, why did I take you out of there? Amen. See, sometimes, beloved, God delivers us from some things so that they don't taint or toxify our witness. There are some people God's trying to move you away from that you keep gravitating to, and you wonder why things are not working and things are not coming together. God is basically saying, look, I did not call you to fit in. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I've called you to stand out. Kingdom people. Kingdom people have been called to stand out. We are called to represent the kingdom. Amen. We are called to represent the kingdom. While law can be a light that exposes evil and a guard that restrains evil, it can never change the human heart. According to Romans 13, we should obey the law. We should be good stewards of the law. We should do good and pray for those in office. But God's moral law is the revelation of his will for our lives. And that should never be despised. That's what he's saying here. I've given you the land. You shall inherit the land. I've separated you from the people. So when you get there, separate the clean from the unclean. And keep it holy unto me. Keep it holy unto me. And then he gets to verse 26 and says, you shall, not only shall everything in the land be holy, but you shall be holy. A good steward realizes that not only what he owns should be holy, but he himself should be holy. Amen. Everybody should strive every day of their lives to be a little better. That's, that's what we're dealing with. God, we need you to help us stay holy. We need you to keep us focused. God, I need you to keep me focused. Amen. And in order for me to do that, I must be realizing that even as I walk in the power of the spirit, I still must respect the law. Amen. Believers today are not under the law of Moses. You can find that in Romans chapter 6, 14, uh, chapter 7, verse 4, and Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. But it doesn't mean that we are allowed to do whatever we want to do. According to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, as we walk in the power of the Spirit, the righteousness demanded by the law is already fulfilled in us. In other words, there is something in me that helps me to respect the law, even though I'm not under the law. There ought to be something in us as holy people of God to want to be found doing things that bring glory and not shame to the name of the Lord. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, it may have been last week, I shared with you that holiness involves a level of integrity. What do people see in you, in the way you carry yourself, in the way you handle your business, in the way you pay your bills? All of that is a reflection of the holiness that is on the inside of you. Amen. If I know I got to pay my light bill, nobody should have to tell me I need to pay it. There ought to be enough God in me. Come on, somebody. There ought to be enough God in me to want to make sure that I have taken care of it. Amen. Amen. Which brings us down to the next principle. Principle letter J of the principles of holiness are found in chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. Uh, Leviticus chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. That deals with honoring of our parents. All right. In chapter 21, he begins to deal with the leadership. God says in verse one, look at it there with me. He gives instructions to Moses to speak 
to the priest, the leadership, all right, in this place. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Leviticus chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the priest, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, no one shall make himself unclean for the dead amongst his people, except for his closest relatives, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, or his virgin sister who is near to him because she has had no husband. For her, he may make himself unclean. He shall not make himself unclean as a husband among his people and so profane himself. He shall not make bald patches on their heads, nor shave off the edges of their beards, nor make any cuts on their body. They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God. For they offer the Lord's food offerings, the bread of their God, and therefore they shall be holy. They shall not marry a prostitute or a woman who has been defiled. Neither shall they marry a woman divorced from her husband. For the priest is holy to God. You shall sanctify him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you. Mm. He shall be holy to you. For I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. Look at verse 9. That's where it is. And the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by whoring, profanes her father. Mm-hmm. And she shall be burned with fire. Amen. Amen. The spiritual leaders, the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel were the priests. All right. In verse four, did you not see what he said? Look, look again with me at verse four. He shall not make himself unclean. He shall not defile himself, New King James Version says. See, the priests had a responsibility of taking charge of the sanctuary. All right. They were taught that they offered God sacrifices. They taught the people the word of God. They determined the will of God for the people. Without the priest, Israel had no way to approach God. So the priest had to meet some qualifications. We just dealt with uh, one of them in the first nine verses. The privilege of leadership brings with it a responsibility of maintaining a life that's above reproach. In other words, true holiness simply says that I must watch my life as I'm looking out for yours. I got to make sure that I am properly representing the kingdom. Amen. What a message for the preachers to always remember that we must represent the kingdom in our devotion, in our obedience to God. We are to be examples to the rest of the nation. Luke chapter 24, verse 25, Luke chapter 24, verse 49 brings clarity to that. But the problem here is, is that the priesthood in Israel declined spiritually. They led the people astray. According to Hosea chapter four, verses eight and nine, write that scripture down for me. Hosea chapter four, verse eight and nine said that the priest fed on the sins of the people and relished in their wickedness. And he said, basically, like people, like priest. And God said, I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. See, see, the thing about it here, when you see this, you understand that it's not just limited to the priest, beloved. Holiness is not just limited to the priest. It's limited. It's not limited to the priest. Rather, it's for the people. There are qualifications and requirements, not only for the priest, but also for the people. The most important requirement for both priest and people were they were to remain clean before the Lord. Because in chapter 21 alone, the word defile is used four times and the word profane is used eight times. And every time that it is used, God ends the instructions by saying, I am the Lord who sanctified you. 
What are you saying to us, pastor? True holiness simply says that I must make sure that I represent my God in everything that I do. Amen. There was only one high priest, but not only were the what not only was it limited to the high priest, it also included his sons. They had to make sure that they were kept clean. They had to make sure that their family were kept clean. They had to make sure that their children were kept clean. They had to remain clean, watch this, by how they honored their father. There it is in verse 9. A daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by sleeping around, she profanes her father and she shall be burned with fire. If the daughter becomes a prostitute and lives a wicked life, the priest doesn't lose his ministry, but the daughter loses her life. Amen. That's why Titus 1 and 6 teaches us that the elder must be one whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Why? 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5 makes it clear that if any man cannot handle his own house, how can he handle the church of the living God? Amen. Since the high priest is anointed and clothed with holy garments, he had a greater obligation to serve God and honor God's name by making sure that he did not see his family defiled. All right. Whereas the ordinary priests were permitted to be defiled by the dead bodies of their immediate family, the high priest wasn't allowed to do it. All right. In verse six and seven, it makes it clear that they were allowed to manifest grief in usual ways. And then in chapter 10, we talked about how he was allowed to leave the tabernacle for a burial. All right but they were expected to stay on duty and not become involved in other activities in the camp. This leads us to the second half of chapter 21, letter K of our practices, deals with the purity of the priest. The purity of the priest. I won't read it all, I won't read it all, but I wanna make sure that you see here how the level of holiness is prescribed for the priest. Why, pastor? Did we not just read it in Jose? Like priests, like people. You are the kingdom representative as your pastor. I am your kingdom representative. I am your mediator between you and God. So therefore, I'm called to a higher level of responsibility in making sure that I represent the kingdom in such a way that it develops a pattern for you worth following. Like priest, like people. Since the firstborn son of the high priest became the next high priest, it was important, according to verses 13 and 14, that no alien issue invaded the family. As a matter of fact, um, According to Luke chapter one, verse five, the priests chose their wives from the tribe of Levi to marry an unfit woman would defile the offspring. And then that would defile the priesthood, which the Lord had sanctified. That's found in verses uh, 13, 14 and 15 of Leviticus chapter 21. And then in verse 16 through 24, the Lord speaks again. Look at verse 16. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron, the high priest, saying none of your offspring throughout their generations who has a blemish may approach to offer the bread of his God. For no one has a blemish, no one who has a blemish shall draw near a blind, a man blind or lame or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand, or a hunchback or a dwarf or a man with a defect in his sight, or an itching disease or scabs or crushed testicles. No man of the offspring of Aaron the priest who has a blemish shall come near to the Lord's food offerings. Since he has a blemish, 
he shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. He may eat the bread of his God, but of the most holy and of the holy things, he shall not go through the veil or approach the altar because he has a blemish that he may profane, he may not profane my sanctuaries for I am the Lord who sanctifies them. All right. Now let's make sure we understand something. Understand something because here is a point where we see the difference between law and grace. And it's a point worth celebrating because people of God, if we were still under old Testament law, According to this list that I just read between verses 16 and 23, a whole lot of folk would be left out. Amen. A whole lot of folk would be helped, would be left out. All right? Because here, what you see, according to Old Testament laws, physical and moral defects were an obstacle to prohibit service. See, that's why we got to thank God for Jesus. Because according to Luke chapter 14, verse 21, when God invited the lost to be saved, he calls out to the poor, the crippled, the blind, the halt, and the lame. The very people Jesus ministered to on earth. Therefore, all the believers can surrender to the Lord and be living sacrifices for his glory, no matter what their handicap. What a, what a revelation. My God, what a revelation. The revelation here is making sure that we understand, even in today's day and time, that at a moment where we are often looked down upon for our shortcomings, God says, look, I'm going to look past all of that and give you another chance. Because here's the thing, Dr. Warren Wiersbe said, this biblical passage should not be used to humiliate or intimidate anybody with a physical disability. He said it was never written for that purpose. He said the purpose of this was to make sure that those who served God would serve God to the best of their ability. Amen. A beautiful soul, Dr. Warren Wiersbe said, lives in a crippled body. And God can use that beautiful soul on the inside of that crippled body. Can I say this to somebody as I get ready to hit this last one and wrap up? Please let me share with somebody today. Don't let anybody cause you to feel like you are not important or you are not you are not adequate or you cannot be used because of failures, faults, mistakes, shortcomings. Don't let anybody use your past in the kingdom to stop you from operating in your future. Here's reality. Let me level the playing field. We all have sinned. We all have come short of God's glory. But the shouting point comes in understanding that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. There is nothing so bad, nothing so wrong that you have done that would disqualify you from the kingdom. There is nothing so bad that you have done to disqualify you from God's grace. The only thing that would disqualify you is blasphemy or lying against the Holy Spirit. That is the only thing the Bible describes as a sin that is unforgivable. Amen. Everything else, we ought to thank God for grace. Amen. Excuse me. We ought to thank God for grace, which brings us to the last practice of holiness. The last practice of holiness is service. It's found in chapter 22, and it's in the entire chapter of Leviticus chapter 22. He's still talking to the priest. We see that there in verse one, he's still talking to the priests. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons so that they abstain from the holy things of the people of Israel, which they dedicate to me so that they do not profane my holy name. 
I am the Lord. The phrase in verse two uh, sets the theme for the chapter where he tells them to abstain from holy things. Or basically it says separate themselves. I believe it's King James Version uses the phrase separate themselves from the holy things. It basically says to handle with care, to treat with regard and respect. In our service for the kingdom, beloveds, in our service for the kingdom, we must make sure that we are carrying out the business of God with a level of care, compassion, and caution. I want to say that one more time. In our level of service to the kingdom, we must make sure that we carry out our level of service with care, compassion, and caution. And according to this chapter, there are three ways that we can see that a priest would not do so and would end up defiling himself, the sacrifices, and the very altar where he is to serve God. In verses three through nine, it talks about unclean priest. Make sure that the priest, your sons, Aaron, are qualified and are representing. In verses 10 through 16, it deals with unqualified people, the lay people. If a priest buys a slave as his property for money, the slave may eat of it, and anyone born of his house shall eat of his food. But back up to verse 11, a lay per, uh, verse 10, I'm sorry, a lay person shall not eat of a holy thing. No foreign guest of the priest or hired worker shall eat of a holy thing. And then in verses 17 through 33, the end of the chapter, we find unacceptable sacrifices. Let me make it live. Let me make it live. Unclean priest. Suppose you had a preacher that had committed a sin and did nothing about it. How would anybody know? He could minister at the altar, handle the sacrifices, even eat of the offering and get away with it. But watch this, y'all. Here's the thing that I got to share with you to help us. God knows. Talked about this last week in the in-person class, as a matter of fact, where oftentimes we know people that aren't living a life of holiness, that aren't truly representing the kingdom, but they're preaching God's word and teaching God's word. And I'm going to quote someone that shared it with us last week in the in-person class. They're wearing collars that they aren't even qualified to wear. And I know that it's wrong. How can I follow that? Well, this is how you follow it. You follow it with prayer. Because here's the thing that I got to caution us as people of God. You don't try to correct God's representative. That's God's job. That's why the Bible tells us, touch not mine anointed. Do my prophet no harm. No, beloved, that's not your place. But if you will pray and let God deal with it, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says that God will deal with it. Matter of fact, it's in, it's in the New Testament as well. It's in the New Testament. Write this scripture down. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's why Acts 24 verse 16 tells us that as leaders, as priests, we should always strive to keep our conscience clear before God and man. There got to be something in me that if I do something that is contrary to the will of God, my spirit does not rest until I make it right. Amen. The greatest protection against hypocrisy in ministry is the fear of the Lord as it is revealed in a tender conscience. To be able to say that when I do wrong, something troubles my spirit and won't let me rest until I make it right. Amen. Amen. Then we must look at it. Also, not only the unclean priest, but the unqualified guest. 
A priest could eat portion of specified offerings and share the food with uh, those in his family who were qualified to eat, but he could not be so generous to offer it to outsiders. The unqualified guest would have to make a trespass offering in order for him to be found worthy. In other words, y'all, we ought to have honesty and courage to know how to say no. Amen. Leviticus chapter 22 verses 1 through 9 teaches us how to say no to ourselves. And then verses 10 through 16 teaches us that we've got to find the strength to say no to others. True holiness gives us the ability, watch what I'm about to say, to say yes to Jesus and no to somebody else. Amen. If I could be honest with you all, and I'm going to wrap up here. If I could be honest with you all in my service to the kingdom, in my service to you, one of the hardest things that I have to do and I must be found doing is being able to say no. Amen. Because there is a greater level of responsibility that God gives to me. There's a greater level. There's a greater level. That's why we find in verses 17 through 32 that just as the priest had to be free from physical defects, so also what I offer in the kingdom has to be free. Amen. Malachi chapter 1 verse 13, God asks a question. When you bring injured, crippled, and diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them? He said in verse 8, try that with your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would God, would he accept you? You see, we must make sure that as servants of the Lord, we don't make it easy for people to sin. But we must also show them by our service and our example that we must give our best to the Lord. Amen. We must give our best to the Lord. Give of the best to your master. Give of the strength of thy youth. Okay? Why is that so important? Well, it's found in the final three verses of chapter 22. Final three verses would answer this. If a priest were to ask, why should I honor God? And why should I respect uh, God's command? Why should I respect the sacrifices? Is why. Number one, these are God's commandments and they must be obeyed. God never commands anything that isn't best for us. Number two, we glorify God's great name by the way we serve him. Mm -hmm. And then number three, the Lord who commands us is the one who redeemed us. He brought us out to bring us in. We owe him that much respect, beloveds. We owe him that much. Amen. What greater motivation do we need than knowing we owe everything to God? He's the one that set us apart. He's the one that saves us. He's the one that delivers us. So we ought to want to be found living a life that represents the one who saves us, the one who delivers us, the one who brings us out. I pray that we see this, beloved. I pray that our eyes are open. And I pray, nothing, if nothing else, that we understand from this lesson, chapter 17 through 22, that everything we do brings glory, should bring glory to the name of God. That's all holiness is. God, help me, teach me, show me how to properly represent you in the kingdom. Which brings me to close by looking at point three of our handout, by looking at some life applications. There are four life applications that I want us to take a look at. Four. Four life applications. Here they are. First one, it takes God's presence to stay holy. It takes God's presence to stay holy. It takes God's purity to stay holy. It takes priority and focus to stay holy. And fourth and finally, it takes God's precepts, God's teaching, God's word to stay holy. What are you saying to us, pastor? In everything we do, in everything we say,
in the way we carry ourselves, even down to the way we think, we must represent the kingdom of God. That's true holiness. We must represent the kingdom of God. We must let our light so shine before men that they will see our good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. And thus, beloveds, we have wrapped up our fifth standard that is found in the book of Leviticus. Next week, we're going to dive into chapter number 23. And chapter number 23 is going to present the next standard. It's the standard of worship and celebration. When we realize who it was that brings us out, that brings us over, that brings us through, how should we respond? We're going to find out looking at chapter 23 next week if the Lord shall say the same. And of course, as always, beloved, if you have any questions from today's lesson, please feel free to drop those questions in the comment section. I'll be found uh, just as soon as we wrap up taking a look at your questions and answering them to the best of my ability. As always, beloved, it is my great joy to share God's word with you. I get excited when we have an opportunity to walk through God's word and to share God's word with you. And I pray that you are receiving some nuggets that you can apply to your lives to have a closer and more serious walk with the Lord. Now, St. James family, as I get ready to close, let's not forget the meetings and the announcements that were shared with us on Sunday. Don't forget um, this on tomorrow, uh, 12 noon, we have midday prayer. Tomorrow evening, Inspirational Voices will rehearse uh, as we prepare to bring to close um, Black History Month, our month-long celebration. Fourth Sunday, we're asked to wear red for heart awareness. Um, as fourth Sunday is also our health and wellness Sunday. Uh, so Sean will be sharing with us some vital information. So I want to invite you to wear your red on uh, Sunday and uh, let's make plans to worship and praise our God together. Don't forget New Testament Word Walk on Thursday um, at 11.30 and 7 p.m. We're gearing up for our 52nd Annual World Missions Conference, which will be held on the second Saturday in March, uh, March the 9th. Uh, at the St. James Church, uh, breakfast and registration begins at 9 a.m. Um, at 9.30 a.m. And the session will begin at 10 a.m. We're excited to have this very important session as we are going to talk about ministering to the least, the lost, and the left out. Building on Jesus' words in as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. You've done it also unto me. It's going to be an exciting time of study and an exciting time of education as we walk through God's word and receive some practical tips and tools to understanding our walk with the Lord. Let's continue to keep all of our sick and our shut-in and our prayers. Those whose hearts are saddened in bereavement, let's keep them in our prayers as well. Let's just pray one for another. Beloveds, it's my will, but it's got to be the will of God that we are together next Tuesday as we continue our walk through the book of Leviticus. But until such time, I need you to continue to stay focused, stay faithful, and be a recipient of God's great favor. Let's close now in a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, we say thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this privilege to share your word with your people. God, I pray that all that has been done and said has been found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. God, help us to walk in your will according to your word and not get in your way. We want to be found doing those things that bring glory and not shame to your name. These are our prayers. We offer them right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we praise. Amen. Amen. And amen. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. Until next Tuesday, be blessed, be safe. I know as always, beloved, we love you all.